of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello and welcome to episode 19. I am Mosh and I'm all by myself again. Two weeks in a row. Anyway, let's just get right into it. So last week, Sony had their second state of play show. And I just want to do a little recap of it. So I did a watch along that I uploaded to my channel. So you can see me watch it along with. It's not a reaction video, okay? It's a watch along. That's what I'm calling it. But after it was done, I didn't really give any of my opinions on anything. So I was waiting until now to do it. So that's what I'm about to do. So it starts with a familiar sound. And right away, I knew that sound, right? So I kind of looked off to the side and I was like, wait a minute. Was that Final Fantasy? Sounded a lot like a Final Fantasy sound effect. And they started showing Monster Hunter World. So I was like, no, nah, it's, it's whatever. It's just, they're just teasing, right? So they go into Monster Hunter World, which they showed a new expansion DLC called Iceborne. It's like snow stuff. There's a moose and probably like an evil snowman, honestly. Snowballs. I don't know. I don't play Monster Hunter, but hey, for people that do play Monster Hunter, that's cool. Comes out September 6th and Monster Hunter World is Capcom's best-selling game ever now, so it only makes sense for them to keep supporting it. Then the next game they showed was called Riverbond, and it's like a four-player co-op game. Uh, it's, it's like blocky looking. It's 3D, but it's just like the blocks. I said it looked like Legos. It doesn't really look like Legos. I guess it's called Voxel Art. I've never heard of that before, but the description of the game says Voxel Art, so I'm just gonna go with that. And it reminded me of Castle Crashers. I didn't say it in my watch-along, but I was thinking it. Like, it, it just looks like a 3D version of Castle Crashers, kind of. But yeah, it's, it's a fun-looking little game. Like, it's not some big thing. It has crossover characters. They show Shovel Knight, uh, Bastion, Guacamelee, Psychonauts, and some others that I'm not entirely familiar with. And they just said it's coming this summer. There's no release date. You know, it's just a nice little game to, you know, waste time on. Then they showed their brand new game, the PlayStation exclusive that they were hinting at, which is Predator Hunting Grounds. So... When this trailer started in the watch along, I said, I want to say something right now, but I'm not going to. So what I was going to say was I thought it was so calm and I'm not the only one because I was watching other people watch the state of play and just their thoughts on it. And a lot of people thought it was so calm. But the reason why I didn't say it is because the soldiers that they showed at the beginning looked way too generic, like they didn't. You couldn't see their faces. They just had helmets on. So I knew they were not like important characters because important characters, you see their face. So if it was so calm, surely these would be like the big characters. You'd see their faces. But since they had helmets on, I was like, this, this is something else. But initially I did think it was so calm because you got like soldiers, you got guns. You're kind of like a jungle area. It just that's what I thought. But anyway, it's Predator. And when they described it, they basically said like it's a squad of people and they're teaming up. Predator comes in, attacks them. You have to fight them off, and it's like, it sounded like Evolve to me, and Evolve did not do well at all, so that's kind of worrisome, but I'm thinking maybe they're going to go more of a Dead by Daylight route, but then again, Dead by Daylight has a lot of characters, which gives it variety, whereas like if you're just playing as Predator, there's no variety, so what's going to stop this game from getting boring like really quickly? It is a PlayStation exclusive, and it's coming in 2020, so next year. I do want to read a little bit of what the devs had to say about the game. So this is Charles Brungart, who is the CEO of Ilphonic, who are making the game. 
He said, once we decided on Predator, it was clear this needed to be a shooter that had to look and feel authentic. Our team's passion for Predator helped us launch the partnership with Sony Interactive Entertainment and Fox. Not only do these powerhouses believe in our vision, which has made this a dream project, they understand what we want to create. They've given us so much work to work with and are empowering us to create something new for the fans while expanding the lore of the Predator. Having that quality bar raised by our partners has been a great driver for creating an amazing game. How does Predator Hunting Grounds play? We're still pretty early in development. The game is due out next year, but I can give some initial details about this competitive online multiplayer experience. For starters, we're big fans of asymmetrical multiplayer experiences, and we're building off our past successes in a whole new way with Predator Hunting Grounds. One group of players will control members of an elite fire team who pack state-of-the-art conventional firepower from shotguns and SMGs to sniper rifles and more. Meanwhile, one player will control the Predator, a stealthy acrobatic killing machine bristling with exotic alien technology such as the infamous Plasma Caster. As the fire team attempt to carry out paramilitary missions, annihilating bad guys and recovering important items, the Predator will be closing in using its advanced vision mode to track and ambush its prey. So yeah, like that description alone just... Like, it screams evolve to me, and again, with the lack of variety, by just having Predator, like, it just, it might get boring really fast. But, well, we have to wait and see. They didn't show any gameplay. It was just a short little teaser trailer. It was maybe a minute long. So, there's still a lot that we don't know about, a lot we have not seen, so, you know, I'm trying to reserve judgment, but, like, it really sounds like Evolve. <laughs> Next up was the Medieval Remake, which is a remake of the classic PS1 game, Medieval. Uh, it looks good visually. It it's kind of still resembles the original, but just modernized. Like it, it wasn't. It's not completely changed. So that's kind of cool how it still has you know traces of the original in it. Uh, there were some frame rate issues in the trailer. I did notice that a little bit. It's coming October twenty fifth, which is right before Halloween, which makes sense. It's a good game for Halloween, and you know I'm cool with uh, Medieval. I've played it before, and I was not good at it at all. So it's really not my type of game. But hey. For the people that like it, you're getting a remake. There's not much to complain about. Next is Away, the survival series. You play as a sugar glider, and I thought it was a flying squirrel. <laughs> I don't know my exotic animals, okay? It's a flying squirrel, jeez. Whatever. Uh, basically, you just, like, explore and survive, and you come across other animals and creatures, and, like, you f I think you fight them or just escape. I don't even know. Before the trailer started, they said it was original, and I was like, yeah, we'll see about that. I was wrong, it's a pretty original idea. I, I was interested at first, and then at the very end they showed a giant spider. So, no, I'm not interested anymore. After that, they showed the Days of Play PS4. It's a limited edition PS4 for Days of Play. It's like gunmetal gray, I think they said, which is fine, I guess. But Days of Play, for anyone that doesn't know, is a big sale that PlayStation does. It's usually like their big summer sale in June. So that will be happening next month, actually. I want to have colors, though. Like, I just want console with colors. Why can't you just have colors? Like, every time you want a console with colors, it has some limited edition kind. And it's like, you know, maybe I don't want to buy that game. Maybe I'm not interested in that game. Just let me have a colored console. Why can't I just buy a colored console, you know? Why can't I have a red console? Why can't I have a blue one, purple one, yellow one, green one? Why not? Like, you have all these color options for controllers, but not for consoles. What's up with that? Or maybe make face plates that are easily detachable. And you can just buy new ones and pop them in place. And they're really missing out on an opportunity here. Because collectors will buy every single console. Because they have to collect them. They'll buy every single color. Look at all the N64 collectors. They have every one because they need every color. So I think they're missing out on not having colored consoles. Hopefully the PS5 has, you know, options. 
Like, black's cool, but, you know, let's liven it up a bit. I know you can put, like, stickers or, like, the vinyl decals. I don't want that. Get out of here. And then last but not least, the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Another teaser trailer was shown. And remember at the beginning when I said that sound sounded a lot like Final Fantasy? Well, it's because it was. Because they were teasing the remake. And it just... I, it caught me off guard. I was not expecting them to show this at all. So, again, it was just a teaser. There was nothing crazy. It showed us some gameplay. It's not the first time they've shown gameplay. Maybe for some people, it's the first time seeing gameplay, but this is not the first time they've shown it. Like, the cutscenes look really good. The combat, I'm still a little skeptical about. They did change the battle system. It's not turn-based. They modernized it. So, you know, it's like, I really just kind of have to play it to, you know, give a real opinion. It's hard to just, like, see something and say that looks bad like i have to play it oh we heard some characters talk for i believe the first time Uh, you heard cloud talk which good thing his voice sounds good i was worried that his voice actor was not going to be good he sounded fine sephiroth talked sounded fine hear Aerith, barrett uh some of the avalanche members uh, jesse and uh biggs like you saw all these people you only saw the back of sephiroth though you didn't see his face that's for uh, e3 because they said more to come in june Square Enix is having their press conference in June. I mean, it's going to be there. <laughs> at the end of this teaser trailer, though, it still says PS4. So I'm assuming at E3 we get a release date, or at least for... <sighs> I want to say for the game, but it's probably going to be for the first episode because they're saying it's episodic. I don't know if it's still episodic. I hope not. I would like a full game release. The reason I don't want it to be episodic is because it's not going to be a physical version of it. It's going to be digital download, and I want a physical version. I have the original Final Fantasy VII physical copy. I want a physical copy of the remake so that I can display them together. If it's still episodic, they will release a physical version after all the episodes have been released. But I don't know if I want to wait that long. I mean, I've already waited this long, so I guess it wouldn't matter too much. Plus, I already know the game. Like, I I grew up with the game. It's like my childhood. So, like, you can't spoil anything. I already know the story. The only thing that could possibly be spoiled is, like, with the new combat system. The modern combat system, I should say. You know, maybe some of the boss fights will be, you know, different or you'll see different things. So that could be spoiled, but like the story can't be. Yeah, I really just want the full game. I don't want episodes. And you know what? I might. I feel like they might release it on PS5 and I kind of want to wait for the PS5 version if it happens. Because I want to play the best version possible, which would probably be PC. But that's not where the nostalgia lies for me personally, because I played it on PlayStation. So I want to play it on PlayStation. So the PS5 version would obviously be better than the PS4 version, but we don't even know if it's going to be on PS5. I could be sitting there waiting forever and it never happens. But yeah, that was nice to see. It's only been, you know, a few years since we've really seen anything from this game because they announced it at E3 2015 and we're heading into E3 2019. I also want to say a few more things about State of Play because people are still getting mad about it and disappointed. And it's like, listen, they said what this show was going to be before it happened. They said... They were going to show a medieval remake. A new game was going to be announced. And it was going to be around 10 minutes long. They said that. Said it on the blog post. Said it on Twitter. It was in the description of the stream. Yet people were still mad at it. Like they told you what was going to happen. And you're still mad at it. Because people get their expectations up way too high. And it just doesn't make sense. Like a lot of people are waiting for Last of Us Part 2. I am too. My most anticipated game. Okay. But they specifically said Medieval was going to be shown at this state of play. If The Last of Us Part 2 was going to be shown, they would have said it. Because they want as many eyes on that game as possible. They want as many viewers as possible. And they want as many people talking about that game as possible. 
they're not going to keep it a secret. If it was going to be shown, they would have said it. You can say the same thing about Final Fantasy VII Remake, though. Here's the difference. Final Fantasy VII Remake is not an exclusive to PlayStation. Last of Us Part II, it's exclusive. Final Fantasy VII was a teaser. Last of Us Part II has passed the teaser stage. They're at gameplay trailers. They're at cover art reveals. They're at release date reveals. I highly doubt they would just do another state of play and have The Last of Us be a surprise. Like, surely they would tell people beforehand. So I don't know why people get mad. Again, it's just people getting their expectations up way too high. And people really need to stop doing that. Next up is EA Access is coming to PlayStation 4 in July. So I'm going to read some brief stuff from a GameSpot article. This July, you'll be able to subscribe to EA Access on PS4. Though no exact date has been announced, this means PS4 owners will finally be able to take advantage of the subscription service that's been exclusive to Microsoft's Xbox One for years. As we continue to invest in digital and subscription services, bringing our games to even more people across both consoles is an exciting opportunity for everyone. EA Executive VP of Strategic Growth Matt Bilby said in a press release, Our goal is to give players more choice to try and play our games wherever and however they choose and we're happy to bring the service to PlayStation 4. On PS4, you will be able to pay for a monthly $5 subscription to EA Access. With a subscription, you get access to a vault of free EA titles such as Titanfall 2, Star Wars Battlefront 2, and FIFA 18. Subscribers also get a 10% discount on all digital EA games, as well as their respective expansions and in-game purchases. Perhaps most notable is EA Access's Play First Trials, which typically gives you 10 hours of early access to all new EA titles prior to their official release. Though EA has experienced some troublesome drama in recent years, ranging from Battlefront 2's microtransaction controversy to the lackluster receptions of Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem, EA Access is a positive step for the company. The service is a good deal for anyone looking to save on the combined retail price of the company's vast library of titles. Last year, we listed EA Access as one of the major pluses for Xbox One. PC already has a version of EA Access called Origin Access. So basically, it's if you want a full year of EA Access, it's $30. Or you can do one month for $5. I'm not going to go over how many games are available, but it's quite a few. You can play the Battlefield games. You can play FIFA games, Madden, NBA Live, NHL, Dead Space, Titanfall. Titanfall 2, because the first Titanfall wasn't on PlayStation. So if you're doing it on PlayStation, it's Titanfall 2. Dragon Age, Plants vs. Zombies, Mass Effect. I mean, there's quite a few games available. And you know, if you're bored one month and there's really no games coming out, drop that $5 for a monthly subscription and you have access to all these games to play. And then if you like it, drop the 30 for the full year. I think this is actually a pretty good deal. Like, I, you know, I'm pretty into it. People got to give EA props for that. All right, next up, I'm going to talk about loot boxes. This is a article from Jason Schreier of Kotaku. Basically, it says a U.S. senator has introduced a bill to ban loot boxes and pay-to-win microtransactions. Senator Josh Hawley today announced a bill that would ban loot boxes and pay-to-win microtransactions in games played by minors. A broad label that the senator says will include both games designed for kids under 18 and games whose developers knowingly allow minor players to engage in microtransactions. Hawley will introduce the bill, the Protecting Children from Abusive Games Act, to the U.S. Senate soon. In press materials announcing the bill, Holly's team brought up the Activision game Candy Crush as an egregious example of pay-to-win microtransactions thanks to its $150 luscious bundle that comes with a whole bunch of goodies. This bill will also likely apply to a host of online games that feature loot boxes and other ways in which players can spend money. 
When a game is designed for kids, game developers shouldn't be allowed to monetize addiction, Holly said in a press release. And when kids play games designed for adults, they should be walled off from compulsive microtransactions. Game developers who knowingly exploit children should face legal consequences. Yeah, well, if a game's rated M for mature, you know, kids aren't supposed to be playing it in the first place. Last fall, the Federal Trade Commission promised to investigate loot boxes following a letter from Senator Maggie Hassan that she wrote in the wake of 2017's string of games featuring the heavy usage of predatory microtransactions such as Middle Earth, Shadow of War, and Star Wars Battlefront 2. Although some companies have pulled back on the practice, popular games like Overwatch, FIFA, and Apex Legends continue to make big money off randomized microtransactions. Many of those games are played by both adults and children. Update. The Entertainment Software Association, the video game industry lobbyist group, sent over a statement shortly after this bill was introduced. Numerous countries, including Ireland, Germany, Sweden, Denmark, Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom, determined that loot boxes do not constitute gambling. We look forward to sharing with the senator the tools and information the industry already provides that keeps the control of in-game spending in parents' hands. Parents already have the ability to limit or prohibit in-game purchases with easy-to-use parental controls. Now, this is where I'm going to step in and say that I agree that loot boxes are not gambling. And I'm going to tell you why. It's not gambling because you still get something. Like, you're paying for a chance to get something. And even if you don't get the thing you want, you're still getting something. It's not like you're buying a loot box, you open it, and there's just nothing there and you lost your money. I'm going to make a comparison. I've made this comparison before and I'm going to do it again because I think it's good and it'll make sense to people. Pokemon cards or just any trading card game. You buy a pack of cards in hopes to get a certain one. You open it. You didn't get the card you wanted. Is that gambling? No, because you still got something. You still got cards. It's the exact same thing. Loot boxes and trading card games, the exact same thing. So why do people have a problem with one and not the other? You know, you, you open a loot box hoping to get something that you really want and you don't get it. But you still got something. Is selling Pokemon cards legal? Sure is. So why would loot boxes suddenly be illegal? How is that an illegal operation? It's not. Most of the people that complain about loot boxes and microtransactions are people that don't have jobs. They don't have the money to buy them. If they did have the money to buy loot boxes, they absolutely would. But they don't. And that's why they're complaining. The average age of gamers is 35 years old, which seems, you know, kind of high. You would think the average age is, you know, teenager to young adult, but it's 35. And, you know, by the time you're 35, you usually have your life figured out. You have a stable job, steady income. You could pay for loot boxes, and they do. And that's why you don't hear those people complaining, because they're like, I got the money to buy this, so I'm just going to buy it, because I can. It's just these people that don't have money that just want everything for free. And I'm not defending loot boxes. I don't like loot boxes. I wish they weren't in games. But I'm just saying, like, people with money aren't the ones complaining here. I just think it's funny when people tell these companies to stop doing this. Like, really? Companies like Activision Blizzard and Take-Two are making billions of dollars from loot boxes and microtransactions do you really think that they see all that money coming in and they're just gonna stop and go you know what we probably shouldn't do this anymore no absolutely not it's easy for us to be on the outside and say you know you really shouldn't be doing this but if we were in their shoes and we saw all that money coming in your tune's gonna change real quick and you'd be all for it there's no way you would stop and it's genius loot boxes and microtransactions are genius from a business standpoint these companies are hustling people for money legally and like you can't knock them for it like i don't agree but you can't knock them for it it's genius 
and again, it's not illegal because you don't become a multi-billion dollar company by being stupid and not knowing what you're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. They know loopholes. They know all of that. If this was really an illegal activity, they would be in insane amount of trouble. They're not dumb. They know what they're doing. And a lot of games with loot boxes give you options to get them for free just by playing the game. Not all of them, but most of them do. If you just play the game, you can get free ones. You don't even have to buy them. And that's what actually makes loot boxes better than Pokemon cards. Because again, you can get loot boxes for free. Can't get Pokemon cards for free unless someone gives them to you, but you can't walk into a store and say, hey, I've been playing for this amount of time. Where's my free pack? Doesn't happen. So loot boxes, you know, you can get for free. You can get the item you want for free by playing the game. And there's an issue, big issue with people. But like Pokemon cards, there's no free option. You have to buy the packs. You have to buy the cards. No one cares. How does that make any sense? Think about that. Loot boxes are aimed at, you know, adults or young adults. Pokemon cards that you have to buy aimed at children. And again, there's no issue with that, apparently. Just think about it. Again, this is not me defending new loot boxes. I wish they were not in the games. I don't like them. But you got to understand that what these companies are doing is it's legal. At least to me, it seems legal. Now, this bill could go through. I'm not saying it can't. It could very well go through. But these companies are not stupid. And yeah, just think about the comparison. Loot boxes and Pokemon cards. Tell me what the difference is. I don't see many adults complaining, that's for sure, when it comes to loot boxes. It seems like kids. Alright, moving on. It's probably going to be a pretty short episode this week, but I got a little bit of music talk. Not a whole bunch. Uh, so, last week I said it didn't seem like Tool would just announce an album and say see you in a few months. I thought they were going to like surprise drop it. Well, after that episode went up, Tool made a Twitter post saying that their album's coming out August 30th. So, that's exactly what they did. They announced a release date. So, August 30th, new Tool album. That's that. Making me look bad, of course. And then we have Slipknot again. My boys. This Thursday, it's happening. They're teasing stuff. They're teasing a new music video. They're teasing masks. They're doing all the stuff. It says May 16th, which is uh, Thursday, the day before their Jimmy Kimmel performance on Friday the 17th. Whoosh, days away, days away, days away. And from the mask teases that I've seen, they look pretty good. This might be their best uh, run of masks yet. So I'm pretty excited, obviously. And there are things I want to say, but I'm going to wait until next week because there's been this whole thing going on with the band where there might be a publicity stunt happening right now. And I just want confirmation if it really is one or not before I talk about things. So I'll know Thursday, if not Friday, whether it's real or not. So next week I'll talk about it. Also, I think it's kind of funny because their first show that they're supposed to perform was supposed to be June 7th in, I believe, Finland. And I think all the people going to that show were like, oh, we're going to see them perform with the new mask for the first time. We're going to be the ones that hear the new songs for the first time. And then Los Angeles and the Jimmy Kimmel show just swoop in right before May 17th. They're like, nope, we're first. <laughs> so it sucks for the people in Finland, but whatever. You still get to see the band, so don't complain. That's all I got musically. Next is my weekly pick. So another documentary. This is the brand new one on the PlayStation YouTube channel called Raising Kratos which is the God of War documentary about pretty much how Sony Santa Monica made the game and just like the process of it. It's almost two hours long, so it's got some decent length. It's really, I mean, it shows like behind the scenes about the game and like the actors and stuff, but it's mostly about the studio and kind of just like what it takes to make a game, hitting deadlines and just like the stress and everything that goes along with it. So 
uh, it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. And I think it's important that people watch it because like making a game is really hard. It's like really, really hard. And then, you know, once you release the game, you get a little bit of time off and then you're right back into the next one. So like I applaud game devs. They put so many hours into these things and the stress levels are like out of control. And then people just like destroy games with bad reviews and just saying how bad they are. And it's like, like a game could be bad. Yeah, but it's like you got to think about the people that made it too, and like what's going on with them. So I try not to be too hard on games, but it's crazy. So yeah, Raising Kratos God of War documentary. It does have some spoilers as well, just like The Last of Us 1 did, but I don't think they're major spoilers. I think the creator, director, Corey, he kind of like says the plot of the game. But that's pretty much it. And another thing I want to mention is on Tuesday, the 14th, is the NBA Draft Lottery. By the time people even hear this, it probably already happened. But, like, my Phoenix Suns really need, like, the number one or number two pick in the draft. Okay, so I need the thoughts. I need the energy again to give us the first or second pick. We did good on the NFL Draft. Did great. So I need it again for the NBA Draft Lottery. We have to get the number one or number two pick. Number one. Zion Williamson, power forward. We need a power forward. Great. Number two, John Morant, point guard. We need a point guard. So that's why it doesn't matter. Both fill a position in need. Both are great young prospects. That's why we need one or two pick. Any other number pick, like three through seven, (sighs) jumping off a bridge. One or two. Just give me one or two. Please. Please. We got the number one pick last year. Like the odds of us getting it back to back is like really slim. But man, if we got Zion, we'd be... Dumb. <laughs> and now on to my weird story of the week. A child discovered $40,000 worth of meth inside a box of Legos. When three Georgia women found a box of Legos in a consignment shop in Charleston, South Carolina, they figured it would be a good gift for a child back home in Statesboro. But when the kid finally opened the box, he didn't find any Legos, just a bag with 3.2 pounds of methamphetamine worth around $40,000. Bullock County Sheriff's Investigator Jim Riggs told the Statesboro Herald that the women didn't know they were transporting drugs when they took the Lego box back home. They took it and gave it to a young child who opened the box and was likely very disappointed, Riggs said, adding that the intended recipients were probably even more upset. The Lego box was shrink-wrapped to look like it came from the factory, but may have been purposely sent to an incorrect address before it ended up on the consignment store shelves, according to the state. Drug dealers commonly ship their products to empty or abandoned addresses, hoping to have someone pick them up, according to the state's Borough Herald. However, the U.S. Postal Service often will not deliver to these sites since no one is there, and instead has mail carriers take the packages back to the post office for safekeeping. Sometimes unclaimed packages will be sold at auction, and Riggs said DEA agents believe this might be how methamphetamine ended up in the toy section of a consignment shop. <sighs> so yeah, if you ever open up a box of Legos, you might get some meth. You know, just sell them things. Anyway, that's going to do it for me this week. Thank you for listening or watching or whatever you do. It is very much appreciated. And I will talk to you guys next week. Later. Later.